Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone. This is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I am joined by Holly Overton, debut author of the incredibly sus- suspenseful Baby Doll. Uh, Holly is also a television writer who has written for ABC Family, CBS, and Lifetime. Uh, Holly, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. All right, I, so just off the bat, I the, your book first off, Baby Doll is amazing, but I don't want to give anything away because it's it. I feel like I would be doing uh, a spoiler-filled description if I tried. So I'm gonna let you give our listeners just a quick introduction to your debut title. Of course, of course. So um, Baby Doll is the story of a Lily Riser, an, an identical twin, who kidnapped at 16. And the book begins eight years later when she manages to escape along with her six-year-old daughter, Skye, um, and she returns home. And the baby doll is about what happens next to her sister, her twin sister, Abby, her mother, Eve, uh, her daughter, Skye, and to her captor, um, Rick Hansen, who is a man nobody would have ever expected, um, who would take her. Uh, and, it's, you know, it's obviously a thriller, but to me it's also, I think, at its heart, um, the story of uh, these twin sisters and kind of the bonds that they have um, and what they'll do for one another. I completely agree. It's something when I when I first read the introduction to the book, I was kind of shocked because people would imagine that the main story would be the kidnapping and the harrowing escape. And like literally from the first page, it's like she's escaping and here's how it happens and then here's everything that happens next and like you said kind of unfolding because people you'll see these stories unfortunately a little bit too often in the news and the story that everyone always wants to talk about is well how did you escape and what happened while you were held captive but very few people take the time to realize well what happens to their lives you know once everyone else stops talking about them so i i just thought that was a really interesting way of of looking at this story, was that something that you you kind of thought of? Was you were looking for a way to tell these these sisters' story and just used kind of the, the kidnapping, or I guess how did the idea for you come about? What's funny? That's kind of exactly the idea of you know like what we always hear about this story. Um, it was um, I was uh, I'm a, I, as you mentioned I'm a television writer and I was currently out of work um, during. Um, the most, one of the most famous cases in the States, anyway, is about Ariel Castro, who was the Cleveland man who kidnapped three girls and held them captive for 10 years, and they finally managed to escape. And I just, you know, watched that story, and, I, and, and like, all the news coverage, and I kept thinking, like, you know, I really, like, I really wonder what happened after, you know, the lights, the cameras were gone, and, like, you know, all the, like, you know, media attention was done. Like, what happened next? And so that was really, really the jumping off point. And I think my twin sister and I are incredibly close. Um, Heather's my best friend. And, you know, like, you know, she's just the most important. I always say to my husband, she's the most important person in my life. And <laughs> he totally gets that, too. He's like, no, I know. I always will come second. 
Um, and so I really just wanted to explore our relationship in, in my writing, which I hadn't really done. And then this idea came along, uh, this, you know, this new story broke, and it's just sort of, uh, you know, went, I went from there. And I have to say, I, our overdrive is actually based in Cleveland, so this hit very much at home with the whole Ariel Castro stuff. We were very... Oh, wow. Very yeah. aware of that. So as I was reading this, it was almost like having flashbacks to seeing those stories everywhere. Um, but you, you, just, you just said, you mentioned you're an identical twin, and, and you and your sister are very, very close. So I, it probably goes without saying, but how much of you and your sister did you put into the twins? And especially, like, do you see any of yourself in Lily? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, it's, it's, it's a lot, as my sister knows. <laughs> I mean, um, I, uh, you know, I think, like, it's funny because when I was, after I had written, you know, the manuscript, my sister had read, you know, from the very beginning, she was really the reason when I first started writing it, that she was like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. You have to keep going. Because um, she read, you know, 40 or 50 pages. And um, and then, like, she kept reading it. And at the very end, right before it was being published, she was like, oh, my goodness, I'm Abby. And it's the other tw- one of the twins. And I was like, oh, yeah, I thought that that was obvious. And I wrote it, and she's like, it took me a while. Um, and... Yeah, there's definitely, you know, just sort of, I mean, obviously it's heightened and, yeah, there's other differences, but I think, like, it's, you know, sort of her steadfastness and, um, you know, sort of more like, that, you know, that character seems a little harsh and sometimes, and, and I was just like, so I'm harsh? And I was like, well, it's you amplified to a thousand. Um, <laughs> and then there's definitely, you know, I think parts of me in it. So um, it was fun to explore, like, even the some of the relationship stuff, like, there's a, you know, there's a, a moment in the book that, you know, ends up being important, but, like, you know, a black sweater that goes missing, and um, Heather did lose, Heather finally admitted it, but she did lose my favorite black sweater. <laughs> I, still haven't, I still haven't gotten over it, so um, that was something that, you know, it's kind of fun to explore. It's something, something very small, like a lost sweater that can turn into something, you know, huge later on. Mm-hmm. Um, was fun to kind of take from our own, our own lives. So other than, you know, the two of yours relationship, were there other aspects of your upbringing that you put into Baby Doll, whether it was, like, the neighborhoods you grew up in or the family dynamics, anything like that? I guess just, did you pull anything else from your personal life story? I did. Well, I think, like, I think the setting, um, when people are like, oh, why do you set it in, like, Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Um, because, it's you know, it's just such a small place and not, not a lot of people have been there. But when, and um, when I, I went there when I was um, 19 with a friend whose grandparents lived there, um, and I was going to college in New York, and it was such a, like, quaint, pretty, like, you know, safe, seemingly safe place. I just thought, where would you think that nothing bad would ever happen? And it just seemed like Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, and it's funny, too, because I ended up, I now have a friend who's from there, and she's like, no, it, it is that place. It is very, you know. Um, and so that was why, the reason I... I Selected that as the location for the book, but um, also, you know, I think I, my sister, my twin sister, and I were raised by a single mom, and sort of the sacrifices that a single mother makes. Um, I think it's very, you know, uh, like obviously Eve, the mother in the book, um, you know, she's sacrificed a lot for her daughters, you know, and like she's been through a lot since her daughter was taken, and you know, with the one that was left behind. And so I think there's elements of my mom in that character, just her strength and her you know, her kind of, like, 
um, grit and surviving some, some of the, you know, some terrible things. Um, and then I, you know, I've mentioned in a lot of interviews that, um, you know, I grew up in, in Texas and my father um, battled alcoholism and drug addiction. And so there's definitely a layer of darkness to him as a person. And I think, you know, I mean, obviously the main character in, in Baby Doll is very extreme and my not my father was not this type of person but I think some of the darkness that that I you know I, I explore in, in the in the antagonist Rick Hansen was definitely influenced by some of you know the, the my childhood experiences of just being a witness to you know domestic violence and you know dealing with, with the aftermath of that and so you know you're, you talk about obviously this is and at least one front a very kind of personal part it's it's a lot of your own upbringing and your family dynamics in the story and then you mentioned seeing like the Ariel Castro story when you were writing the book did you do any other research on like kidnapping survivors or anything else when you were going into writing this because you really do a great job of building out not only what Lily is going through and, and her daughter having such a strange upbringing but their family members too her her sister and, and her struggles and things like that it feels like that stuff couldn't possibly have just been something you you knew about ahead of time at least I would hope not uh, you know it was interesting I, I didn't I mean I, I definitely I think I've done a lot of like research before even before I even realized it um, it was funny because after I finished manuscript I, I, I went back and read a lot more about it about you know these various cases, there's um, the Fritzl case, and, and I think Austria, and there's there's several other you know more infamous cases in in, in Europe um, about these kind of things where, where you know girls were held captive and managed to escape years later, and so much of what I had sort of just like you know thought like well this is ended up being true, I thought was a little creepy, but like the fact that I just knew this information. So whether it was something I just made up or I absorbed over the years, um, so I, I I kind of knew about that, but I did read a lot more about like you know domestic violence and about um, psycho- the psychology of it. Uh, I was for- I'm fortunate. One of my best friends is a is a social worker and licensed therapist, and so she had read the manuscript and you know sort of gave me some of the you know like psychological things like oh this is what she'd be dealing with and this is sort of you know the aftermath and. Um, and that was very helpful. And then I also reached out. The FBI has a, um, a publicity and press department, um, and they have agents um, who work with writers. And so I was fortunate enough to uh, be able to work with a, a special agent, uh, a special agent, Sean Daniels, who was wonderful. And, like, I was like, I just have two chapters that really address, you know, what, you know, like, what would happen. And, and she's like, oh, no, I'll, I'll read the whole manuscript because I just want to make it so she read the whole thing and, and gave me wonderful feedback about, like, okay, this would never happen or this is, and, you know, there were things that I didn't know, like, you know, that it, they wouldn't just bring in an FBI agent to do an interview. They have psychologists and psychiatrists who, who are consultants with the FBI that do this stuff. So that was really great in, in bringing, you know, I think the realism to, to you know, to the book. Yeah, and I, like I said before, it, it, uh, it feels very realistic it's I, I first off I felt like I wasn't breathing this whole like while reading your the book the whole time just I feel like I was holding my breath just waiting for something to happen next and, and kind of like almost like when you watch a, a movie and you're like you know watching between your fingers like you don't want to see it but you do like that's, that's how I felt it was like 
it was very much um I don't know, I was almost like antsy while I was reading it. It was it's really a fascinating book. So you definitely accomplished everything on that front. Um, Thank you. I love hearing that. <laughs> absolutely. So I mentioned in the in the intro, you're also a, a television writer and I have to imagine the experience of writing a novel and like writing episodes and scenes for a show is probably a very different experience. Would that be accurate? Yes, it's it's very different. Um, I think uh, you know as a as a TV writer, which is how I started out. Um, it's a very collaborative experience. You know, um, you're you know on most shows and all the shows that I've been on, you're assigned. You know, you work in a room with you know anywhere from six to ten other writers and you're coming up with the, you know, obviously your showrunner is guiding you, um, but you're coming up with the story and the plot and what the characters you're doing and you're really working as a team and then you're given your scripts and, you you know, you're told to go off and write, you know, write your episode and you come back and then you get notes from everybody at every phase of the process, you know, from, from the first draft to, like, you know, right before you're shooting the script. Um, so you're, you know, it's really a team building thing. Um, whereas with a novel, it's all you, and it's, you know, it's a very, very lonely process. Um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're often like by yourself, and um, in my case, by myself with my dog, and um, and and you know, and, and it's and it's all you for good or bad. And um, you know, I, you realize now, and I, I've always had a pre- you know, an appreciation for novelists, and I'd always wanted to write a novel. But you realize you have to be very self-driven um, because, you know, in television, you know you have to, like, you know, they're going to shoot in five weeks, so you have to get the script done, um, especially as a first-time novelist when nobody cares if you're writing a book or, you know, <laughs> yeah. what. Um, you really have to, like, just be like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write another 50 pages and another 50 and another 50. And so um, it's definitely, that's definitely something that, like, I think, um, is different about about fiction and um, and just kind of trusting um, that it's your vision. But that's also the great thing about writing novels now because also in TV you get notes from everybody. Like everybody <laughs> has, a, everybody's like, I don't know about this scene, you know. Like um, and in a novel, I was actually surprised by how little people were like telling me, like, well, don't do that, you know. You know, when I got my editor's letter, they were like, no, we love it. We want more. Just write more. Expand, expand, and I'm like, wait, but you're not going to tell me to change all of this? And they're like, oh no, that's not how this works. Um, it's like you really, it really is your vision. So that's that's been the fun part about writing Baby Doll. Right, so I'm really curious. And so for for Shadow Hunters, which is what you're working on now, correct? Yes. Okay, so for that, do you writing like one episode of a show with multiple people and each of you writing different scenes and have them try to like tie together so do you get like a whole episode i guess i'm just curious i've never really yeah, talked to that speaker. as long as the show is running well which you know i've been fortunate to be on shows that are run well um especially shadow hunters as long as the show is running well it's it's usually your episode so um if if, if like sometimes there's a time crunch and they need a script done in a day and a half, and then the, all the writers would get themes, and they would, you know, cobble it together like Frankenstein. <laughs> but um, on Hunters, it doesn't work like that. Luckily, um, you're given an episode, and then you write the entire episode, and so it is you being able to infuse it with the jokes you like, and the, you know, and the character moments you like, and um, and you know, sometimes you're rewritten if it doesn't quite work, or um, 
the your boss wants you know does his pass on it, which happens, and um, and so uh, on some shows you're completely rewritten. Um, on some sh- some shows you're you know some of what you wrote remains, and so um, it depends on the show that you're on. But yeah, no, luckily luckily on Shadowhunters, um, you know we're you know it's a it's, it's a very collaborative place, so um, we're you know we're given a lot of autonomy on our episodes. And so that makes it a fun place to write. You really do feel like, okay, well, what I see on the air might not be 100% of what I wrote, but I'll still see a lot. I'll still recognize what I put into it. And, and that's really exciting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So because the writing a novel and, and writing for TV is so incredibly different, um, there's something on your website that I really like. You have an FAQ, and it's all about uh, like becoming a professional writer. I think that's really awesome that as someone who has been a writer now in multiple different ways for a profession. It's it's really cool that you have that advice on your website. So given that they're two completely different options, I'll just, we'll go with writing a novel. So wh- what advice would you give to someone who says that they have an interest in writing a novel? Like what would you tell them that you wish you would have known ahead of time? Um, I would just say, I, I would say uh, don't, don't be intimidated because I think like for a long time, I mean, I grew up, you know, I grew up, like, reading books, and, and, you know, and I was, like, I just devoured novels as a kid and um, and was just, like, a voracious reader. And I think I had in my head that, like, if I couldn't be, like, you know, like, Hemingway or Fitzgerald, then I shouldn't even attempt to write it. And as much as I would love to write, like, Hemingway and Fitzgerald, I don't think that's my strong suit. I don't think that's the kind of, like, I'm not a literary fiction novelist, even though I respect that genre. And so, for me, like, eventually letting go of, like, the expectation of what I thought I should be as a writer and as a novelist was kind of freeing. Um, And I think if you have an idea, just start writing because, you know, when I started writing Baby Doll, I didn't know what the story was, really. I didn't know what the plot was. And and it's not a way that I would say, like, I think it's super effective. Like, I think it's better if you, you know, understand the story exactly and, you know, but sometimes I think it's just important to start writing and see where the story takes you. And, and I'm glad that I did that for Baby Doll because I basically wrote the first hundred and something pages not knowing what the plot was and not knowing exactly where it was going and, and kind of finding it along the way. And, 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 and I would never recommend doing that TV and film because it's a much more, you know, structured and you mm-hmm. don't have sort of the, you know, limitless kind of page count to do that. But for writing a novel, um, I think if, if you feel like that's in you, then just go for it and kind of, forget about the expectations of what you should be writing and also the expectations of will this get published because I never even though people are like well you worked in TV you knew I never had any like expectation I never you know thought that it would happen I, I really just wanted to write something for me and write something because I loved it writing and kind of remember why I love writing and um, and that's what writing baby doll was able to do so a major takeaway from that would be don't set out to write the next Great Gatsby because it might be a, a little overwhelming. Exactly. Don't, don't, don't put that pressure on you. Maybe you will write the next Great Gatsby, but don't, you know, but, but going into it with that expectation, I think, can weigh down your creativity. <laughs> I completely agree. All right, we need to talk about your introduction to entertainment and stage because I'm a giant theater nerd. And so on your site, uh, you um, you mentioned, like, the first ever production you were a part of was... Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> okay, so do you remember who you played, and do you still kind of follow 
the theater world closely? I, I do remember who I, I yes to both. Um, I played, uh, my, my twin sister and I were in a production in our hometown of Kingsville, Texas, um, and uh, it was a college, it was a summer musical that the college put on, and, um, and so my sister and I, we were at the Harry Ishmaelites, so we had no lines, <laughs> and then people dropped out, and so we got to become, we got bumped up into the chorus, and we were wheeling women, so if anybody's seen Judge of the Amazing Technicolor or Dreamcoat, you're in basically every scene, because you're yeah. basically part of this very small chorus. And you get to wear all these costumes. It was, it was life changing. And like just being able to do that production, I was like, and sadly, I am toned up, and so is my sister. Um, we're, we're terrible singers, but it took us a long time to really realize that. <laughs> um, but I, we, my sister and I moved to New York when we were 19 to go to theater school, and um, and I fell in love with New York. My mother, I, I always joke that she ruined us by introducing us to Broadway at a young age. We saw our first Broadway play at 13. So who's Tommy? And then our, she took us back for our 16th birthday to see more theater. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm a super big theater nerd. My sister and I went to New York last summer just to go see musicals. Um, we went to see, we got, we got tickets to Hamilton. Um, <laughs> uh, we called it every favor from anyone we've ever met and got tickets to Hamilton. Um, and then we saw Fun Home and, um, and we're going back at Christmas to do another theater, uh, a theater weekend. So. Um, I love, I love, I, I was like, if I could still sing or dance, sing, if I could sing or dance, I would still be in New York, like, trying to be on Broadway, but luckily I figured out that that was not my calling. <laughs> well, I, first off, we're on the phone, so you can't see my jealousy and hearing that you've seen <laughs> Hamilton, but um, we're lucky here in Cleveland, outside of New York, we actually have the biggest theater uh, district in the country, so we do get all the big shows, and Hamilton will be here in, like, two years, so I'm not overly jealous and for what it's worth yeah we get to see it and for what it's worth and you can't possibly know this but every podcast episode we record i think i mentioned hamilton and some like (laughs) hamilton or harry potter gets mentioned in like every single episode so you just uh, you like fulfilled our quota so thank you on that (laughs) that's amazing well i'm also it's funny because we talk uh, on Shadowhunters. we talk we you know we're all such big harry potter fans as well so um, those are two of my favorite things. <laughs> if you were going to say that you had tickets to go see The Cursed Child, I almost would have hung up the phone on you, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that I, that I was like, in, I've been in, I've been in, you know, writing, writing on the show and writing my new book. So I was like, I'm going to have to be being on the west coast you would have to make quite the trip to go see it in london so that that's forgivable. i know well my husband is from england so it, it could definitely happen <laughs> oh my okay we're gonna we're just gonna move on i don't do you, how about this do you have a favorite show that like of all time um i mean hamilton definitely ranks up there um as one but I actually it's not even a musical but it was a it was a, it was a play that i saw years ago off broadway um, and it was called The Syringa Tree, and it was about this, um, it was a one-woman show that this South African woman wrote about her life and about apartheid, and, a, and it was, you know, kind of describing it, and you're like, oh, that sounds, um, that sounds kind of boring, but it was, like, so profoundly moving, mm-hmm. um, and the power of storytelling, I think, and, like, one woman being able to take and transform into, like, all these different characters, and I just remember, like, after the, the play was over, just 
and I'd gone with my mom and, and my sister and a friend. My friend had already seen it twice. My mother was like, well, that's good. And she, like, gets up, you know, she, and, like, and, her, and she was, like, trying to talk to us. And I, my sister and I just sat there, and we were like, we're going to need a minute. Because, um, <laughs> like, it's just so much, I mean, it was just so beautiful and heartbreaking. And so that was one of the, like, I think just where you're just so profoundly affected by storytelling in a way that you sometimes are when you watch a movie or you read a book. Um, I think that was the theater experience that sort of, you know, defined, you know, I was, you know, defined, you know, the power of storytelling for mm-hmm. me. All right, so I could talk about theater with you all day, seemingly, but just so that we don't do that. When you aren't writing or working or taking amazing trips on Broadway to see things that I'm jealous about, how do you how do you like spending your free time? Uh, well, I'm like these days I spend a lot of it writing, but um, when I'm not doing that, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big I like to, I love yoga, and my husband and I both are big yogis. So we, we tend to go to yoga classes, which makes me sound like an LA, an LA hippie. <laughs> um, I also, I like, I love, I love like trying new restaurants in LA. And my sister's a big, my twin sister's a big foodie. So she's always like, we're going to this restaurant. So I do that. Um, I see a lot of movies with my husband. He, he's actually a, a huge movie boss. So we go to movies like, he goes like three times a week and I'll, I'll join him at least maybe once, mm-hmm. maybe once. Um, and then, yeah, kind of just exploring LA, trying to like take, you know, take trips. Sometimes we'll do go to Santa Barbara or we'll, you know, um, go to Palm Springs or, you know, go on, go on a, you know, just kind of many adventures. I love travel, but I, I find I don't really have much time to do it. Mm-hmm. So I am a, I am a bit of a workaholic though, <laughs> I will say. And so sometimes it's like we went, my husband and I took our honeymoon last, last year uh, after, you know, we'd been married a year. And uh, we went for 12 days. And after, like, day 10, we were both kind of like, I think we're good. I think, I think I'm ready to go home. <laughs> and like, I think this is enough. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, I, so. can, I can appreciate that. I'm, I'm very much the same <laughs> way. Um, all right, so Overdrive is a library company. And I saw you recently having some interactions on Twitter um, with some people about your love of libraries. So would you maybe mind sharing just maybe some thoughts or memories that you have about local libraries, whether it's from growing up or, or recently, just maybe a thought or two on... Of, of course. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I, I love libraries. I, we were um, growing up, my mom, like I mentioned, was a single mom, so there wasn't a lot of money to buy books. And so our local library was like, you know, my sister, it was our salvation. And my grandmother took care of us while my mom was working and in school. And so she'd take us once a week the library and at the time we could check out seven books each so my sister and I would like check out you know 14 books and then we, we would read them so fast we'd be like we need to go to the library again and before the next week and so then my grandmother talked to the librarians and they were like all right we'll double it so then we would <laughs> check out 14 books each and um and so I you know I, I have such fond memories of like being at our library um you know they would have like a reading corner going there um, you know, being able to just like check out everything and the librarian sort of being like, well, do you like this? Do you love, you know, this one? And, and so I think they really, you know, they really did inform my love of, my love of books and, and sort of just having that limitless, you know, staying at my fingertips. Um, and, uh, and I think it's great now. Uh, it's funny because a friend of mine, um, who used to work in TV, she was a, a TV development exec now as a librarian here in LA, um, she works at the Studio City Library. Emily is her name, and 
um, and and I'm doing an event for her in a few weeks, and I'm like, I'm so excited to be part, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I sort of feel like it's one of those full circle moments where, you get, you know, growing up, you get to be like, you know, this place is so important, and now you're sort of continuing that. And, and you know, now my book is at library, which is, you know, just so exciting, the idea that, um, and I had, I had actually... Uh, a reader of Baby Doll emailed me recently and was like, I'm a volunteer at the library, so I get access to all the stuff, and I just loved your book. And so it's, it's one of those moments as an author where you're just like, I never thought that would happen, but it, <laughs> it feels so good. And, and yeah, and libraries, I think, are still so important, and I love that there's still such access for people, especially, you know, because buying books is expensive, and it allows you to, you know, to, to still read great, great literature. So do you remember, and you say, you know, 14 books a week or 28 books a week, rather, is a lot. But do you remember some of the books that you really liked growing up? Maybe some of the ones that stuck with you? Uh, yeah, gosh, I'm such a voracious reader. But um, I think, you know, like, I think, like, uh, I loved Royal Doll growing up, you know. Like, mm-hmm. so that was, he was, like, one of, you know, one of my uh, favorite childhood authors. I tended to, like, read a lot of, like, which I think is not surprising that informs, um you know what I write I tend to read a lot of darker like um, I remember being very young and reading the diary of Anne Frank and like being out to dinner with my mom and I always had a book with me and I remember the waitress was like in high school and she was like we're reading that like and I was like yeah you know I tend to tend to read older and I think stories like that stuck with me um I mean there's so many you know I think like of mice and men and like those are some of the you know like again much darker you know mm-hmm. childhood I also grew up reading a lot of mysteries so of course like Nancy Drew was like my favorite yeah <laughs> and um and the Sweet Valley High series obviously when you're a twin you read all the like <laughs> twin books growing up so those were those were very popular um with my sister and I um and and um R.L. Stein is another one I remember one time my sister and I got got into a fight, and the way that she wanted, she decided she'd win it was she spoiled the book I was currently reading. Oh no! <laughs> by telling me who I know, it was really it was really below the belt. So um, that was sort of our. I was like, that's like the nerdiest thing ever. Like where that's like a way to win a fight is to tell someone how their book their their book is going to end, the one they're currently reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's you know you know you're a reader when <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, how that's, you, that's how you win a fight. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I like to end all of our podcasts with, um, I have nine questions. I call them the nerd nine because I love alliteration. Um, <laughs> love so, it. so I'm just going to go through these really quickly. Uh, no super thinking about them. Just the first thing that comes to your mind on all of these, okay? Okay. Okay, great. All right. So the first one is, what's the last book you read? Uh, the last book I read was uh, Sweet Bitter. Um, by Stephanie Danmar. What's your favorite place to read? Uh, outside. Guilty pleasure? Like, mine would be, I I will post picture after picture of our dogs on Instagram. <laughs> I was just about to say, my, my dog. My koala, <laughs> Stevie. Uh, one place that you'd like to travel that you haven't yet been to? Uh, the Italian coast. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Favorite movie? Uh, Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my next one is normally cats or dogs, but I know you're going to say dogs. So I, I'll go with what type of dog would you want that you don't, that you haven't ever had before? Uh, a Labrador Retriever. Nice. Favorite food? Uh, Mexican food. 
And then if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would you pick? Wow. Um, gosh, I should, I should, honestly, if we're talking right now, I'll just say currently, with based on this conversation, J.K. Rowling. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect way. Good job. Well done. Um, one last question for you. What do you hope that people take away from reading Baby Doll? I hope they understand more about the twin relationship and sort of see it as, you know, sort of see the deeper um, kind of bond that, that, that that's formed as opposed to just like, oh, they look a lot alike or they talk, you know, do you talk alike? Or um, I, I would love for them to kind of kind of understand twins a little bit better um, from reading Baby Doll. Awesome. Holly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.